Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 157. We talk about three big mistakes we see clients make in their HubSpot portals. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features and strategies for growing your sales and marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Yeah, really good and always good to spot things that aren't working well and warn our listeners about how to avoid them. That's right. So we're going to chat about three mistakes that we see in HubSpot portals. Now, when I say mistakes, we're not going to talk about the one-off blunders. Yes. Um, that These well, are... Not only do our clients make, but I've made plenty of them myself. So we're so, not exempt. <laughs> not like we don't make our. That's how. That's great for learning, Ian. That's, that's how right. I learn so much stuff making mistakes. But we're going to talk about setup things just in HubSpot portals that people often overlook, and it comes back to bite them. So let's jump into those. That's right. So let's start with that, Craig. Mistake number one: not adding email subscription types. And this is under settings email under subscription types. Now, why do we see this always being something that's not done? Yeah, so this is actually a really good feature of HubSpot. You can basically subscribe to certain types of emails that you receive from a brand. So anyone that actually gets HubSpot emails knows that they can go and check their preferences and say, I only want to get this, 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 but none of that. Now, that's actually a really good feature and it really helps with retention, helps reduce unsubscribes because they just edit their preferences has a whole bunch of benefits. Also means you can categorize things. This is blog updates. This is marketing. This is sales. You could actually put support types and things in there as well. So it's really useful. It's kind of one of the features that when we go into portals, people have never set up. And it's uh, it's kind of one of the onboarding things that we do straight away. And what do we usually see? Default blog, HubSpot blog subscription. <laughs> yeah, it's just the defaults. It's kind of something you want to get right at the start because if you try and do it later, You've already set a whole bunch of emails. So once you've set up the subscription types, work them out. Blog, marketing, newsletter, for example. What are some really good ones, Craig, that people might do that we don't often see in portals? Okay. So I quite like to break out resources. Yes. So white papers and special resources go into one type of preference. Marketing material and marketing offers goes into another preference. Because I quite like for people to be able to edit their preference and say, look, I don't want marketing offers rather than them going, oh, I'm unsubscribing from everything. And I really appreciate it when I see brands do this as well. I go, oh, I'm going to edit my preferences. No, I don't want marketing selling to me. But your resources and white papers, yep, I'll keep reading those. And the benefit for them is, well, oh, they'll keep me on their list and I'm an engaged contact of theirs. So I think this is really important for people to set up. And the reason I think it's important to set up first is because when you create emails, you actually have to select the actual subscription type at the time you create the email. So if you get down a couple of months down the track and then you start setting up subscription types, you've missed, you know, setting them up for all your emails, workflows, et cetera. And a bonus to this, Craig, is not enabling the resubscribe option. Yeah, well, not enabling it is the mistake. That's the bonus mistake. So resubscribe. So It's off by default? It's off by default. I don't understand why, but this means if someone tries to sign up, you know, you've unsubscribed previously. Or accidentally, like I have done. Yes, accidentally. You go to resubscribe and it's like, oh, no, you can't. Oh, there's no option to. Yeah. At least when you've actually enabled this, you can say, oh, would you like to resubscribe? Cool, we've sent you a 
quick confirmation email, just opt back in there. So it's a way for them to opt back into your list. So definitely enable that. All right, next one, not tweaking the design of the unsubscribe page in HubSpot. And this is related to the whole subscription, resubscription, and where people often forget to do this or they have the default, which just looks really ordinary. Yeah, that's right. have a look. Well, that's right. So if you've ever clicked through to edit your preferences and you go through to a portal and they haven't tweaked the design, you see HubSpot logos and all kinds of things, yeah, bad for branding. All right, mistake number two not getting a naming convention in place and having a proper structure to organize files. Now, this is really important for lists, workflows, folders, emails, forms, and pages. And it's important, especially when you're using an enterprise portal with multiple domains, this becomes a real key. And regardless, it's a really great way to keep things organized and to find things with ease, even structuring them into folders within those areas like forms and website pages and so on can be structured in that way as well. So, but naming convention, very, very important. Yeah. This is part of our onboarding with new portals, getting the naming structure in place right up. And it's kind of what we do in training as well. We get called in as sort of as consultants to portals. We kind of say, right, I'll actually spend hours with the people getting the naming convention right. Oh, it's going to have, you know, a brand term. It's going to have personas in the workflow namings, et cetera, et cetera. Getting that right is really important. You know how annoying it is? The other day I got a a new template purchased in a portal. And guess what? All the images went just into the main folder. Oh, into the root. Yes. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do about that. I find that enormously frustrating. Very. Actually, some of the themes that we've used, we've used Palmspire. Yes. Have you used them at all? No. HubSpot Marketplace? Yeah, we've bought from them a couple of times. Uh, great themes on the marketplace. And included in the theme is, I think, two hours of free consulting with them where they do customization. And they're great. They jump on Slack. They have a Slack channel with you and you just jump on and do it. Yep. The first thing I'll do is I'll go, all oh, right, can you get all the images? Can you put them on these folder structure? Yeah. And they do it. Oh, all okay. for you. Yeah, they move it all around. They fix it up in the template. So, yeah, little bonus tip there, actually. There you go. All right, mistake number three not setting permissions for users. And this is especially important for sales teams where you can disable exporting of contacts. Yeah, and this is actually becoming a bit of a privacy consideration. Uh, Companies have an obligation to look after privacy of the contacts. So if you just have all your users being able to export out all your contacts and perhaps sensitive information, that's actually non-compliant. So setting permissions is really important. And the number of portals that I get given access to where they give me full access to export everything out and I kind of like, well, I guess they trust me and I'm not going to betray their trust, but it's kind of like they haven't thought it through. They should at least be stopping me from, well, probably deleting things, exporting things out. Exactly. Any third parties, you might actually find that Professional indemnity insurance covers don't cover third parties and things like that. So, yeah, just make sure you get those permissions under control when you're setting up your portals. Correct. And this is, I guess, important for sales because you can even, what people can do on a contact level or even contacts that are unassigned, what they can see if they're a part of a team. So there's many, many different levels. So I encourage you to actually familiarize yourself with that and know what's there because it's changing all the time and we see that. All right, we've got a couple of bonus mistakes, Craig. First one, not excluding internal IPs. So this is um, 
for your reports. Basically, if you're on the website and you're doing stuff, this gets included in, even though you shouldn't actually have that in there. Yeah, you're just trying to exclude traffic from your internal company users. Yep, and the next one. And likewise, at the, in that same place, you can filter out bot traffic, so make sure that's enabled. And the final one. One final mistake is not adding campaigns. So you might think, why should I add a campaign in HubSpot? I actually always try and get one default campaign, even if it's just the brand name yep. and the campaign's called their brand name. And then the reason is because whenever you do things like landing pages and things, you can yes. link them to a campaign, link them to that main campaign so that at least you can drill into the campaign and get reporting and stats. It pulls it all together. It's quite nice. Now, over time, you want to build out different campaigns for different areas, and yes. there's no hard and fast rule about how you might do that. You might do some for social, maybe some around uh, quarterly campaigns and things like that, but at least have one campaign set up at the start that you link everything by default to. And there you have it, our mistakes we often see in HubSpot. Yep, get those under control and you're well on your way. All right, Craig, on to our listener question of the week. And thanks to Joe, uh, we won't mention his last name or where he's from. I don't know if we've got permission to um, mention him in person, but Joe, thanks for listening and sending in your question. And Joe's question this week was, should I use a subdomain versus using a subfolder for my blog? And this is a valid question because if you've actually got HubSpot and you don't have uh, the website add-on, you would probably have the HubSpot blog on blog.yourdomain.com.au or .com. And you might have landing pages on lp.yourdomain.com. So this is a very valid question that he's asking. He said, hi, guys. Love the podcast. And he's got a question because he's getting resistance from an SEO consultant regarding the blog subdomain. He's insisting that HubSpot blog subdomain is not the right way to structure our blog. I've spoken to a few people and read a few articles, but I'm still in the dark. We're currently planning a new website and I want to make sure we are doing all that we can to do this right. All right. So there's a combination of SEO thoughts and maintenance here that we should actually think about. So Craig, what's the first consideration? Yeah, well, let's just take a step back. It's interesting that he said this is his SEO consultant pushing back. And probably if it was purely about SEO, you might say, well, subfolder versus subdomain. Yeah, go for a subfolder. Yes. And in fact, as a general rule, go for a subfolder if you can. For ease, but it's not only SEO considerations, it's actually setup considerations because if your blog is part of your site as a subfolder, you don't have to do separate GA instances and cross-domain tracking and you don't have to have different style sheets on different, you know, it's all one site. So there's a lot of maintenance sides and also there's just a user perspective. So there's different thoughts, SEO versus maintenance. Now, the first consideration is can you actually have it as a subfolder? Because in Joe's case, we looked at his existing site, his existing main site is WordPress and his blog is on HubSpot. Now he has no option to have as a subfolder. So it has to be a subdomain in that case. But Joe's saying, look, he's going to re, he's thinking about redoing their website. So maybe he's got the option to put it all on HubSpot. And so then he's faced with the question, well, their existing blog is on a subdomain at this point of a new site development when maybe let's say it's all going to be on HubSpot, can we bring it into the main site? So let's assume that's his situation. And so then the considerations, well, if you can do that, do it. Do that. Because it's easier. And is there an SEO benefit? Well, there might be a little bit of benefit, but if you listen to John Mueller from Google talking about this, he's saying Google's getting a lot better 
and working out that a subdomain relates to a main domain. And well, we only have to look at some sites, <clears throat> HubSpot and others <laughs> to know that a subdomain works well, right? So if some of the biggest brands in the world yes. can have a blog as a subdomain and it works, then we know it's not a problem. It is going to be okay. Yes. However, if you have the option of making it a subfolder, that's the way to go. Okay. And I'm kind of compressing a whole bunch of articles and this is the thing about SEOs. They've got nothing better to do. And I'm t- I say this as an <laughs> SEO consultant, right? Then debate these kind of things. So if you search for people saying it's better to do a subdomain, you'll find people with strong cases for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And if you search for people saying a subfolder is better, you'll find people with compelling cases. It's really just about ease. And if you can do it all as a subfolder, that's the way to go. One other comment to make on this, because if he was starting from scratch, he'd say, well, subfolder, great, we'll start from scratch. But he's actually got the subdomain as the blog now. So should he try and make it? a subfolder. Well, I'm going to say yes, because we've done this for clients when we've upgraded and we moved their blog, HubSpot blog from a subdomain up to a subfolder and under the main HubSpot site. Yes. And it was really nice how HubSpot handled it because in the blog, we just reset where it's um, location and it took care of all the redirects and everything. I was amazed at how well HubSpot handled that. I did that for our site. Oh, right. You did that. Oh, so you used to have a subdomain. Correct. And you went to a subfolder. Went to a subfolder. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Upswat really excelled in that part. All right. There we go, Joe. I hope that helps you out. And on to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. You know, you can set up drafts in HubSpot. HubSpot's social tools. Yes. You can set up posts, right? Yep. You know, you can set up drafts and you can have them based on user permissions. So someone can set up a draft, but it doesn't go live. Now, here's yes. the bonus thing. When you set a draft, you can schedule it. So you can say it's scheduled as a draft for the future. Someone approves it and then it's scheduled for the future. Oh. Now, why am I calling this out? Because no other tool that I can find. Actually does that. In the, you know, in, in the cheapest space. Yes. Buffer, you can't. They, they don't have that approval thing. So plenty of them have a draft mode. Yes. But you can't set a schedule on it. Yeah. So you have a draft. Someone goes, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll approve it. Oh, when's it going to be posted? No, I'll have to work out. HubSpot, it's actually a differentiating feature. Yeah. For this small segment, this was a need that we had. So drafts in the social tool and you can schedule them. Wow. Yeah. That, that is, yeah, okay. There's one that, that I need to use with my clients. Thank you, HubSpot. All right. Our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is about running team reports in HubSpot reports. Yeah, just linking off to a HubSpot blog post here. Oh, by the way, that's blog.hubspot.com. Oh, yeah, Com. it's that's funny, a, that, isn't it? Subdomain there, yeah. Yeah, just some reports that you can run on team activities. So we won't go into it here, but, yeah, nice little article there. Yeah, they call it four next-level HubSpot reports. All right, and there is something from the Learning Centre that we've also put in there. Have a look. The HubSpot Learning Centre is fantastic to get the short little bursts of um, lessons to actually learn and grow your knowledge. All right, onto the HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And we're going to talk about this. So let me give you a little background. We had an issue where we were creating deals from workflows based on a contact lifecycle change to opportunity. And we found there was a bit of a trigger that took place. And we also have within the system to sync lifecycle stages associated with contacts and companies. So the scenario here was we had a couple of contacts belonging to this company that was already an opportunity. We had a contact in the system that belonged to a different company 
And obviously this person had moved into this, into a new position. And what happened was the person in sales went, oh, I can find this person. Let's say it's Craig. Oh, Craig's not in Z anymore. He's gone to search and be found. Updates his email address, right? So he was probably as a lead before. Updates his email. System sees, oh, Craig is now part of search and be found. The system sees, let's think the life cycle stage because the company is an opportunity. And then what happened was the workflow ran and kicked off and created a deal based on that. Oh, right. Right? And then they're like, why is this deal being created? I didn't say yes. that. I didn't say that Craig's an opportunity. Yes. And I worked out looking at workflows and how this is happening and couldn't get to the bottom of it. And then thankfully HubSpot support went through the whole thing and pointed to me and said, this is what's happened. And I was like, ah, that makes sense. And I had no idea. I was like. You know, HubSpot support are pretty good. Yeah, they I are i got to say, there's good. not many um, dummies that you come across. Whereas in other companies, you send it to support, you know, it's just going to the junior with half a brain out the back. It's so, so yes. frustrating. But at HubSpot, wow. And the number of things I learned from HubSpot support, I kind of think I know a fair bit. Get on the HubSpot spot, I kind of think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll humor them, you know. <laughs> I'm so arrogant, right? Like, they come back and they go, oh, it's here. And we looked at it and I'm like, oh, wow, you guys. I know, because you know what? I end up looking at all of the company contact property history to figure mm. out what had happened. And I obviously saw something within the system that triggered this, but I couldn't figure out why was this happening. I was like, I was like, this can't be happening. Something's going wrong. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, HubSpot support. Yeah, thank you, HubSpot but support. I've got another good news story about HubSpot support. So we just had a new client. They just upgraded from starter to pro, right? Yes. And so the sales team, fully on, they're loving it, by the way. They synced everything from Salesforce, goodbye Salesforce, synced it all over to HubSpot. Yes. Setting up deals. And they, they're just going for it. Like they're just teaching themselves. Anyway, I get on to give them a bit of a consulting call, give them a bit of training. And I'm going, oh, now, by the way, I'll just let you know, if you've got any quick questions, you can always drop a question to HubSpot support. It's really good, you know, because most people avoid support. It's like the last yeah, resort. Right. And the guy goes, oh, no, I've already started. I'm going, oh, right, sure. Yeah, shows me the support inbox, bang. Oh, yeah. And you can see the result. Like there was, this was all to do with managing deals yes. and, and deal stages and all that. Really detailed responses, like yep. really quick within an hour. I'm just like, man. It's such a good experience. That's right. Not only are, are they really happy with the product, they've just, you know, made a significant yes. investment, but then the experience after purchase is really good. You know, the after-sale support is, yeah, it's really good. Thank you, Damesh. All right, inside of the week, Craig. More on bots driving internet traffic. And this is a follow-up from our episode a little while ago. Yeah, you know how we were saying half the... Internet is just fake bot traffic yes. and things like that. Well, here's a study that looked at hundreds of billions of dot points on bot requests. Yep. So massive sample size. Won't go into it all, but um, they broke it down by sectors or industries on who, which industries have the most bots out there. Oh, finance. Finance, of course, is out there. Bots, you know, crawling stuff, everything. But on the naughty list, marketing and advertising, number five. The number of bots and stuff out you know, there. You like ticketing. Sorry, two. not bots, but bad bots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So ticketing, that's really interesting. I didn't think, like, what's ticketing? I think things looking for ticket sites and. Well, I imagine a lot of that probably, you know, um, do they have travel pulled out? But you know how you can um, 
they've hotel, got they've got airlines and insurance and travel. Yeah, they're oh, all right. All that's broken out. Oh yeah. yeah. So I wonder what ticketing is. Yeah. Anyway, this is really more just of a follow up, and um, there's good bots and bad bots, but some industries are pretty heavy <laughs> on the bad bots. Yeah. You know what? What bots were really good? Online data marketplaces and business services. You see, real estate had the had the. Oh yeah, that's right. Online data had good bots. I guess that makes sense. So there you have it. Just bringing it up on everyone's radar. All right, Craig, on to our retirement of the week. And HubSpot has removed the ability to set up individual notifications for collected forms. Let me take a step back. What are collected forms, Craig? Well, it's this awesome feature of HubSpot where it has its listener, like the script, and it just listens on your site. So you might have a WordPress form. The HubSpot listener goes, oh, yeah, I'll just check when that form's filled out. And I'll pull that detail into HubSpot. Yes. I'll collect those form details in HubSpot, even though it's not a HubSpot form. Collected forms, fantastic. And? Except? You can't push HubSpot forms to MailChimp. Well, there's that. But also, collected forms used to have the ability to individually send notifications. Yes. So there might be a whole bunch of forms on a site and comment forms and be one and now they get picked up. And you could actually mark them, no, don't notify, don't notify, but... The contact us form, notify yes. in HubSpot. That collected form, notify people. Anyway, they've changed that. Now all the collected forms point back to the one global setting for notifications yeah. on, they don't call it collected forms, they call it non-HubSpot forms these days. So now suddenly we've got sites where any comment, anything, mm. all gets notified. That's just driving us nuts. And so after me saying so many nice things about HubSpot, then this is just infuriating because they've taken it away. Yes. They've actually de- downgraded. That's right. They've downgraded. degraded the experience with this. And so, well, for actually for a few clients, we're actually just ripping out HubSpot starter. We don't need it anymore. Yeah, right. And we're just using other tools. We're actually using Zapier. Did you know it's got an SMTP Zap? So you can listen for things on a site. Really? And then do an SMTP Zap to send notifications. So oh. we used to use HubSpot starter Yes, um, to do that. To do a lot of that and notify people. <clears throat> now we're actually moving to Zapier. And it's because, and it's really nice. And sorry, I'm turning this into a Zapier plug, but the Zapier tool, like you can set out what's in the notification, you can format it, you can have plain text versus HTML. It's actually really good. So it's actually, <laughs> some ways, thanks, HubSpot, for doing this, forced us to find another um, other solution. Other solution, which is far superior. Yeah. All right, a few resources of the week for our listeners. We've got about linking Google Analytics and Google Ads together. John Luma has got a Facebook Pixel Pixel event tool set up. We've got some keyword research tips, and everyone should look at this, generating fake people. That's got to be the highlight. It's really good. We'll just leave it with the link. We'll actually send that out to everybody. Mm. So have a look. And that's all from artificial intelligence, isn't it, Craig? Yeah. So, yeah. Creating people, fake people, just with AI. That's Amazing. Right. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig, this week. Thought we'd try Warren Buffett today. Oh, well, he's just had his whole, um, yeah, Berkshire Hathaway thing, hasn't he? Yeah. I don't look to jump over seven-foot bars. I look for the one-foot bars that I can step over. That's an interesting quote. Give me an example of a one-foot bar in marketing. What can we do? Oh, here we go. Lead forms. Are <laughs> you going to say, say lead forms? <laughs> it's the go-to, right? Oh, there you go, Craig. Thinking on the same lines. Let's step over that lead form, which is now a part of forms. 
It's a pop-up form, great. It's called pop-up forms. Yeah, fantastic. We moved on. All right, there's a few bonus links of the week. Now, if you have loved this episode and you want to send us a question, if you've learned something, we'd love to hear from you. Actually, send us a comment with your favorite mistake that you see in HubSpot portals. Yeah. Or that you've made. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we should talk about some of the mistakes we've made in the past, learn from our mistakes. Craig, there's stuff every week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. It would greatly help us as we reach more people. Until next time. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.